If you've been with us in this series, uh, we started with uh, hope, and then we built on that, and we went to peace, and after peace last week, we talked about joy, and today, we're going to top it off with love, and it doesn't get any, any bigger than that, and when it, when it comes to the subject of love, I think a lot of us kind of approach it from different ways. We have a, different ideas about what love is, uh, and so I love to hear from children. I, I just love this, like, well, what do, what do you think about that? And, and so I want to read to you... Um, some uh, thoughts about what children think about love. Okay, this is Carl. He is age five. And he says, love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on shaving cologne and they go out and they smell each other. (laughs) Yeah. This is Chrissy. She is age six. She says, love is when you go out to eat and you give somebody most of your french fries without making them give you any of theirs. You know, on a personal level, I think that is the ultimate sacrifice of love right there. <laughs> My wife and I, for like the first 15 years of our marriage, you know, she'd reach over and I'd slap her hand. I'd go, what do you think you're doing anyway? And I finally have learned, you know, to, to love her more. Um, here's this one. It says, this is uh, Rebecca, age eight. This is real. I like this one. When my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. And so my grandfather does it for her all the time even when his, hand, when his hands got arthritis too, that's love. Isn't that beautiful? Wow. And then um, this, is, uh, this is Nikki, age six. And this is profound. She says, if you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend who you hate. Think about that. Wow. And then, uh, and then this is even like, wow. This is, this is Bobby, age seven. He says, love is what's in the room with you at Christmas if you stop opening presents and listen. Wow. From, <laughs> from the mouth of babes to children. That's, that's amazing stuff. That almost made me cry for a second there. Wow. Um, so I want, this, today we're going to talk about how we can be captivated uh, by the love, but not just any love, the love of Christ. This is what Christmas is all about. How is it that we can like, focus and tune in to what Christmas is? is really, really all about with all of the busyness of the season and the commercialization of the season and, and you know, all of the parties and all the functions that we have in front of us. How can we zero in today and say, I, I want my heart to be captured by, by what Christmas is really, really all about. And, and it really begins with understanding that it's about God sending his son into the world to love us unconditionally. When I say unconditionally, that means no strings attached. That, that, that means that, that God loves you just as you are, for who you are. And sometimes I think we have a hard time wrapping our, our hearts around that concept. You know, it's, it's interesting, in the English language, we just have one word for love, love. And, and so we, we say, you know, uh, I love God and, and I love pizza. And, and, and I love God and I love a good cup of coffee. But, but in, in the Greek uh, when, when the New Testament was written, and they had four different words for love. And there was, like, there was a word for like loving your friends, loving your family. There was romantic love. And then there was agape love. And that's what this is right here. This is unconditional, no strings attached kind of love. And if we understand that, God loves us so much, Christmas will have more meaning to us. So today we're going to see this through the book of John. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn there if you would. Uh, chapter 4, uh, 1 John, 1 John. And, and so as you're turning there, let me give you a little um, sort of background on, on what's going on here. 
So John, this is, this is John the Apostle, John the disciple of Jesus. Remember, there was Peter, James, and John, so this is a part of Jesus' inner circle. And John was so infatuated, overwhelmed by the idea of love that nobody talks about love more than John. In fact, in the portion of Scripture we're going to read today, he uses the word love over 25 times, or love or love. He just keeps on talking. He can't get over it. And after all, he was the one that says, I'm the one that Jesus loves. If you ever read, I, I laugh almost every time I read it. He's the only disciple who says, he goes, I'm the one that Jesus loves. And, and it's, it's like he just couldn't get over, and over, he was overwhelmed by that idea. So, you know, when he writes the Gospel of John, it's his account of, of, of Jesus, uh, his birth, all the way through his resurrection. But when he writes this letter, same author, this is different. Now, he writes these three little letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and he writes them to these little house churches over in Asia at that particular time. This is around 85, 95 AD. And there's some problems that have arisen in the church, in these churches. And the problem comes in, there's a group of people called the Gnostics. Now, the Gnostics are people, the, actually the word Gnostic means special revelation or, or secret knowledge. And so these Gnostics have come along and they don't buy the fact that Jesus came into the world in flesh and blood and, and that he, he died and rose again. In fact, they believe that all flesh is bad. And so they only believe that the spirit is good. And so they've infiltrated the church. And so John comes in and he uses some very, he uses a lot of love language, which is awesome. But you're also going to see he comes at these people really hard, like he's trying to drill in on, on the truth. So you're going to hear some language that he uses. You're like, whoa, John. Okay, so he's, he's on a mission to kind of straighten out some heretical thinking that's going on at that particular time. So, verse 7. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us, he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and has sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So he lays out the idea of really of Christmas, of what love is, is really all about, that God sent his son in, into the world. And so... I think one of the things that we need to think about as we consider what Christmas is really all about is really is that he sent his son into the world and he made the first move towards us, that, that he went first. This is how God showed his love for us. He sent his son, his only son of the world. When I think about that, I, th I think about like relationships and how we navigate relationships. Uh, when, when I was dating my wife, Karen, I quickly fell in love with her. And, and, and uh, so there comes that moment where you're like, I want to tell this person that I love them, but I'm feeling a little insecure, maybe a little vulnerable. Like at that point, she hadn't told me that she loved me. And so I remember uh, this beautiful spring day up in uh, the area where she lives, up in the gold country in, in Northern California. And I'm looking at her and she is just like beyond beautiful. And I, I just, I, I'm thinking, I just got to tell her. I just have to tell her. And so worked at my courage, and, and I told her that I loved her. I was, you know, holding her, and I said, I, I love you, and I'm, I'm waiting for her to reciprocate, and I got nothing. <laughs> it's crickets. 
I'm like, and I didn't say it, but in my mind I'm thinking, aren't you going to tell me that you love me? And she didn't. And so, like, I, I think like a few weeks went by, and I'm thinking, wow. I mean, I totally put myself out there, and you have not told me that you love me. And so, so finally that day came, and I was so relieved when she finally said that she lo- loved me too. But I, I think about that, and I think the fact that, about the fact that God came into this world, and he didn't wait for us to say, God, we kind of like you. Maybe we love you. He just said, I want you to know something. I love you, and I'm going to show you how much I love you by, by sending my son Jesus into this world to express ultimate love for, for you. Also, that Jesus is God's greatest gift to us. That's what Christmas is all about. You talk about a gift. Here it is, Jesus, my son, to to bring salvation to you. Verse 10, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for us. So what does that really mean? It means that God came into the world to help us do for ourselves what we could not do for ourselves. We, We couldn't save ourselves. There's just no way that we could do that. We were just too broken. He said, okay, I love you so much. I'm, I'm going to do something for you. And it's just pure grace. You don't, you don't deserve it. You didn't earn it. You can't earn it. But I'm going to give you this gift. It, it, it makes me think of uh, this last week, I was driving down the freeway, headed off to a meeting. And uh, I heard this little excerpt on, on the radio. This kind of gripped my heart. And it was about uh, this little boy named Carter. And uh, Carter's 10 years old, and he received a beautiful, beautiful Christmas gift that was very unexpected. Uh, so I have actually got a, a clip of it. So here, check it out. It's for you. This is from all here, of us. Okay? All of us. Would you like to be a tip and be an arms woman, brother? What do you think, buddy? Yes. We're going to adopt you, Carter. I'd say Carter's a little overwhelmed. He was invited into the family. And that's, that's what God's done for us. He says, I, I, I want you to be a part of the family. And, uh, you know, I, Carter probably didn't see that coming, but now he's got their last name, and he's received unconditional love from that family. That's what Christmas really is. It's God saying, I love you so much, and I'm, I'm, I love you unconditionally, and you are my daughter. You are my son. You are my, my family. That's why I, sometimes when we lose what Christmas is about, we get frustrated, you know, we think about all of the craziness, part, the crazy parts of Christmas, and, and we can lose that. And so just for a moment, I'd like us to maybe step back from all of it, whatever you brought into the room, any kind of busyness, craziness, like, oh, I'm dreading this, or, you know, 
I want you to sort of step back from it for a moment. And I want us to reflect on what this, this special day, Christmas, is really, really all about. And if, if you've come here this morning and, and you're saying, Steve, you're right. I, I have not been in the spirit of Christmas. Uh, you know, I, I've been busy. I've been maybe frustrated. Um, uh, I, I, just, I can't get my head in the right space. I can't get my heart in, in there. Then in this moment right now, let's make it about that, okay? So if, if you feel distance between you and Jesus this morning, if, if you're struggling this morning, you know what we ought to do? Let's just take a moment and let's just pray about it. Um, and if you're here this morning and you're saying, Steve, what you've just said describes me. I am struggling. Like, I'm not particularly happy. I want to be happy. I'm not feeling the joy or the peace or the hope. Um, but, but I'd like to. And, and so would you pray for me? Would you just, would you just raise your hand? With this, just, just a moment. Nobody looking around. Nobody, nobody's going to be embarrassed. But just, I want to pray for you. I, especially, I just felt like I needed to come in and pray for some people this morning. Okay. Anybody else? I want to just, I want to pray for you. Yeah, okay. Anybody else back there? Okay. All right. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I think probably, even if we didn't raise our hand, we could all identify with that feeling. We can all identify with just life and the busyness and, and everything just kind of being overwhelming for us sometimes this time of the year. And then just feeling the distance between you and ourselves, God. Realizing that, that somehow what we once cherished has been lost. But this morning, help us to come back to it. I pray for those that particularly that did raise their hand. God, whatever is going on in their life, and you know, you know. God, I, I pray that right now that they would experience hope and peace and joy God, in love. And I pray that as they leave today, after this service, they're going to feel lighter and better and stronger. And they're most of all, God, they're going to be able to appreciate what Christmas is all about in a very deep and meaningful way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, when we get to that place that I've just described, what happens is that it enables us to be able to walk in a joyful, happy way. In fact, it, it captivates us to, to be able to walk with God with a little bit of a smile on our face and say, you know what, I'm loved unconditionally. And, and really, that, that's what, uh, when, when Jesus came into this world, that was all about one of my favorite verses, and I love the way that it's said in the uh, Message Bible. Uh, John 1.14, it says, The Word became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood. That's what this is all about, that God came into this world, sent his son into this world to become one of us. So let's get, let's get back into uh, and finish off these verses, verses 11 through 21. And uh, follow with me if you would. I, I really, I like it when people actually read with me, because it's more meaningful to you. Um, to hear me is one thing, but to actually, if you've got a phone or a, a Bible there, and just like watch, look at these words. Okay, verse beginning with verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. That, right? Isn't that right? True? God loved us, so I should love you. 
No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. And this is how we know that we love him, and he is, excuse me, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. And then he says, for the second time, he says, God is love. And what he's saying, he says, God is the source of love. All love ultimately comes from God. I, I've, I've heard people tell me this before. They say, love is God. I don't know if you've ever thought that or heard, had somebody say it. They go, love is God. Not really. Not really. Because, you know, I mean, the world, the culture has its own ideas about what love is, and it's, it's pretty scrambled at times. But God is the source. He says, you want to know what love is? John is saying, God is love. Everything about him is, is love. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In the, and I, I love this line right here. He says, in this world, we are like Jesus. Are we? That's the goal, right? Am I like Jesus every day? No. But I try. Every day, that's my goal. Every day I, I would pray that as followers of Jesus, that's where I go. We get up and we say, I just want to be more like Jesus in every way. This is one of the reasons I encourage you to keep reading the Bible, but particularly the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why the Gospels? Because I want to know what would Jesus do. And if you read them enough, over and over, you'll have a pretty good idea. This is the way Jesus would handle this situation. Verse 18, he says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love dries out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. And the one who, fear, who fears is not made perfect in love. In verse 19, he says, We love because he first loved us. And whoever claims to love God, yet hates his brother or sister, is a liar. Whoa, John. Did, did John just say that? So this is what I'm talking about. He's talking about love, but he comes out with some pretty strong language. And he says, look, at, if you say that you love God and you hate your brother or sister, you are a liar. But he just puts it straight out there. But we would say, well, wait a second. That's not true. I love almost everybody. Except for Sally. I hate her. Or Frank. You know, I can't tolerate that person. And then Jane, or excuse me, uh, John says, okay, you're a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen, and here's his logic, cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Notice he didn't say, this, he, this is not optional. He has given us this choice. Did he say that? No. He said, he has given us this command that we have to love each other. Man, I, I'm telling you, that's the hardest thing that we'll ever do, is to be able to love everybody. We know that God's love overcomes fear. I, I, this is one of my favorite verses. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. I grew up in a, in a church that incited fear. It was very hellfire and brimstone. And, and, and so that's all I knew. That's the church I grew up in for the first 15 years of my life. I loved Jesus, but after a while, I, I just felt like Jesus was always angry at me. And, and, and I just felt like I could never, ever please God. And so when I was 15 years old, I finally said, you know what? 
uh, and I probably didn't think of it with these words and these terms at that particular time, but I just thought this whole guilt, shame, hellfire, brimstone thing, it's just not motivating me. And so I'm getting out of it. And I still remember the day that I just completely bailed on Christianity, and I just thought, you know what, I would rather go to hell than experience the kind of fear and misery that I'm living on. So for the next few years, I just went out and I just did my own thing. When I was 19 years old, I came back to God. I was a little bit fearful about it, but I, I, I just, I, I really, I loved Jesus. I wasn't so in love with the church. But I, I came back to Jesus, and then sometime after that, one day, I was reading through the book of Romans, and, and I came to chapter 8, verse 1, where it says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And for the first time, it was like, like the words jumped off the page. It was like an epiphany in my life. And I went, wait a second. Did I, did I, did I? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I, I, God, are you saying that I'm not? I mean, you know I'm kind of a messy person sometimes. You know, I don't always get it right, and I sin, I'm sinful at times. God, are you saying I'm in the faith? And I, I, I understood completely for the first time that I am loved completely, with all of my faults, with all of my shortcomings, with all of my brokenness, that I am loved. And you know what it did? It cast all that fear out of me. Because I discovered that love is a much better motivator than fear. You can only live on fear so long. It'll burn you out. It'll make you miserable. You won't be happy at the very least. But love? Man, I can live on love all day long. And that's what this is about that we would understand the love of God that motivates us to go out and do and live amazing lives. Live the adventure that Jesus has for you. And that, that God completes his love through me. He says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We have a, we have a mission statement here uh, that's really uh, about love, connecting people to God. That's, that's why we're here, to be authentic with them to be real. And I think this is one of the most real places I've ever been in, where like, you, know, you can be who you want to be. You don't have to hide uh, what's going on in your life. You don't have to walk in here with a fake smile. You don't have, like, have to act like you have it all together. We're here to be real with each other and, and just to love each other right, right where we're at. And then finally, the last part of our statement is to serve communities. We're here to serve. And that's how we complete it. That's why we do all the stuff that we do. That's why we feed hungry families in our own community. That's why a couple of weeks ago, we were out reaching out to our police and, and our fire department and just giving them a good day by giving them some good food and just having some fun with them. Almost everything, in fact, everything that we do is motivated by this principle right here, that God will complete his love through us, that we would be Jesus to the world. And then that God's love inspires us to love those who are difficult to love. Now, this is probably the most, this is the one that we struggle with right here. This is where the rubber meets the road. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Anyone who loves God must love their brother and their sister. Wow. So here's, maybe you haven't thought of it this way. Jesus talking one time, and Jesus said, um, you know, those pagans out there, He says, you know those heathens, those people that don't love God? He said, even they love their friends. So you know what that means? That for all the people that you love, you get no credit. All your friends, all the people, you get zero credit. 
But Jesus talked about loving your enemies. Now that's where you get credit. Trying to love those people that are difficult to love. I wonder how many of you have somebody in your life who's difficult to love. And what can we do about that? You say, Steve, difficult doesn't even describe it. They're beyond difficult. They're impossible. I, I get it. I get it. Like, all of us probably have somebody, or maybe more than somebody, in, in our life like that. And so the question is, what do you do about it? Well, how do you love a person like that? You always begin with prayer. You're, you're going to need prayer to love somebody like that. In fact, you're, you're going you're to need what I would call a next-level kind of love. That, that's just, folks, this is one of the reasons that we need God. Because Steve Bombacci, given to himself, uh, with a person who doesn't like me, rejects me, hurts me, do whatever they do to me, if I don't have God, I'm just going to say, I don't like you. I hate you. You hate me, I hate you. But the Bible says I can't do that. God says I can't do it. The Bible says that God loved me when I was pretty messed up and broken, and still at times am. And so that I have to love that other person. I think one of my friends the other day said, Steve, the way you do it, you stay close to your own brokenness. And when I realized that God loves me with all of my interesting parts, with all of my brokenness, then it helps me to love that person that I, that I struggle with. What would that look like for you? So you start with prayer, and then how about this one? How about beyond prayer, you actually initiate a conversation with that person and you listen to them? You, you just simply listen to them. And I, I've discovered that if you sometimes listen to a person, it'll be, change everything. Because we, we make assumptions. We think, well, you know, the reason they're that way is just because they're a jerk. That's all there is to it. They're just a jerk without ever listening to them. And maybe you get their story a little bit. And then maybe even take it to the next level and serve them. Wow. Serve them. What would that look like? What would that look like in a family context? Like, I'm just kind of guessing that might be a couple of... Uh, situations coming up around this Christmas where you're going to be in, in tight quarters with a family member or somebody that makes you really uncomfortable? What would it be like if somehow you had a, a great conversation with them and you initiated it and you served them somehow? How that might be able to just, just change everything. That's, that's what love is, folks. That's real love when you and I can, can do that. And one of the things that I've also discovered, when I was a much younger man, I had very strong opinions all these years later, I still have strong opinions. I still, but here's what's different. I don't allow my opinions to get in the way of loving people, right? So when I was younger, my opinions were so strong that if I was in certain places with certain people whose opinion, their worldview, whatever is different than mine, I just was like, yeah, I'm, just, I'm not going to be with this person. I'm just going to like, yeah, you know, they're, they're crazy, whatever. All these years later, I'm like, no, it doesn't matter. I want to find out what their opinion is and why their opinion is that way. And by the way, I can love you still. We're going to be okay together. Because what I discovered is that I don't, I don't think I've ever, with my opinion, won anybody to Jesus. But my love, the fact that I would accept people, maybe people that were different than me, maybe people that thought different than me, had different opinions than I did, that's what did it right there. That I love them, that I prayed for them, that I served them. That's what it's about right there. That is love in action. 
So, what is God's most challenging person to you? How, I want you just for a moment to think. We're going to end with this. On your seat, you're going to find a little uh, gift tag right there. Why don't you just grab that real quick? You're probably wondering what those were about. You're thinking maybe you're going to receive a gift. Actually, you're going to give a gift if, if you're up to it. And um, here, here's what the gift is. And I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm doing this too. I want you to write the name of the person who is the most difficult person in your life to love. Okay? And here's what I want you to do. Now, be careful about this. I would like you to hang it on your Christmas tree. Now, if the person lives in your home, don't hang it on the Christmas tree. Okay? Because they're going to walk by and they're going, hey, hey, how come my name is hanging there? Yeah, that could be, that could be an interesting conversation in itself. Uh, but, but I want you, so uh, write the name, and we're just going to just reflect for a second. Probably for some of you, you didn't have to think like a second. You're like, oh yeah, boom, you got it. Write the name down, and this will be your Christmas gift to that person, that you will pray for them, that you will find a way to maybe have a, a better conversation than you've ever had. I mean, I, 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 get, I get it. There are some people that are up close and personal right in front of their center stage in our life and are like, I can't get around them. They drive me crazy, okay? But maybe this is the beginning. Maybe this is the beginning as you begin to pray for them that God will help you to love them as you never thought you could, okay? So I'm going to pray for you and uh, write, write the name down, okay? Write, write the name down. Lord, you are our Christmas gift. But this morning, I pray that we would give a Christmas gift, the gift of love. For somebody who drives us crazy, somebody that maybe doesn't make our life as pleasant as we wish it were, somebody that we wish we could love, but we just for some reason just can't find it in us. But Lord, we would step back for a second and realize you loved us when we're, we're not very lovely not very lovable at times. And so, Lord, in this moment, motivate us, not with fear, but with love. Motivate us to be able to somehow take us the next step with whoever that person would be. Write that name down and then pray for that person. Pray for that person, God. Find a way to somehow find it in our heart to love that person because you first loved us. In Jesus' name we pray.